Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McCardle, and we're so excited to be bringing you another round of insightful conversations with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. Today, I'm joined by the owner and chief empowerment officer at Family Pet Health PLLC, Michael Shirley. Michael is here today to discuss how he is changing the veterinary field and providing new and insightful experiences to both pets and their owners during a trip to the vet. Hear about how he got his start helping animals and the motivation behind providing fear-free care. It's time for Uniquely Small Biz, brought to you by Selective Insurance. So, Michael, tell me, how did you initially find yourself in the business of helping animals? What was your draw? The long story short is that I grew up wanting to be a veterinarian. I got to college and realized that I didn't like to study, but I found out that it was that I dated a girl that wanted to also be a veterinarian and we got married. So that's that's the long story short. Oh, my gosh. And we've been together ever since. Do you think if it weren't for meeting your wife in school that you would be a veterinarian now? Well, I'm not a veterinarian, but I definitely wouldn't own a veterinary hospital if I hadn't have met her. Interesting. So you own the hospital. I guess I, my bad, I just assumed that because you were the owner of the hospital that you were also a veterinarian. So explain the situation then. She's a vet at the hospital that you co-own? That's correct. Yeah, we're, we're 50-50 partners. If I had been smart, we would have made her like 51% so she could be, you know, woman- primarily woman-owned business and open up some other opportunities. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, we didn't know those things back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> she worked at one place for 10 years and decided that it was time to go. And she had a non-compete. So she worked what ended up being three years as a traveling veterinarian before we were able to start our practice. And during that time, she never found the place where she wanted to go to work every day. When she came home and told me that she wanted to start her own business, I asked her why. And she said, I want to create the type of work environment where I'm excited to go to work every day. And I said, awesome. Well, don't ever forget that. My wife is brilliant. She's a great veterinarian and she's really smart. But where she is strong in that area, she's weaker in the management of people side of things, the emotional intelligence, if you will. Right. And that's where I'm very strong. And so when she asked me, I need your help running the business side of things. I need your help with team building and education of our team and our clients. Well, guess what? As a teacher, that was perfect for me. So I get to do what I'm really good at. She does what she's really good at. And that's how we got started. It was her and we had three employees at the time. I was teaching full time and uh, and then working full time at the vet office after I got off work from teaching. So it was really stressful there for a while, but we've grown now. We have 15 employees. There's three doctors and I'm no longer teaching full time. I'm at the vet office exclusively. And so that's, that's worked really well for us. How many animals do you guys have at the house? (laughs) Well, we have, we personally have two dogs, uh, two cats and two horses and some sheep and goats. So they don't all live in the house. <laughs> but. Yeah, well, yeah, I would hope not. 
The dogs and the cats all live in the house. And then we have two children that are still in the house. So it's always uh, fun around here. So tell me what makes Family Pet Health unique? Why do you guys stand out? I think the thing that sets us out apart from the other offices in town, and there's like 35 other veterinarians in our county, and they're all great, by the way. They all do a good job. What sets us apart is client experience. That's our focus. And when we talk about Dr. Shirley always wanting to create the type of environment where she wanted to work every day, well, what that has done is it's attracted other people that are like her, and it's also attracted the right clients for family pet health. We're not the veterinarian nor do we want to be the veterinarian for everybody. We can only serve so many people. Like we have a capacity. And so we fill it with the people that are looking for what we have to offer. And that's a positive customer experience with quality care and good communication. And that's what sets us apart. Yeah. I mean, the backbone when I was on your website kind of snooping around I really got the vibe that you are about customer experience and elevating the customer experience. So I'm glad that that you mentioned that on this. I think that's huge for any business, but especially when it comes to family pets. We are a customer experience business that happens to treat animals. That's what we do. Yeah. In veterinary school, for those viewers that, that don't know this, veterinary school provides zero or almost zero business training. So even though these veterinarians, most of them are going to end up managing or owning their own practice. Well, I don't even know if it's most of them, but many of them will end up owning their own practice. They do not get business school as a part of veterinary school. They're learning just how to be a veterinarian. So then they get out and they work for someone who's been doing it for a long time. And that's where they get their business ownership experience and, and management experience. Well, that's different for us. I came from not in the vet industry into ownership. So I was a pet owner more than I was a veterinary professional. So when we were setting up the way that we wanted to run our business from the customer side of things, I was able to say, well, here's what I would like. And I just want somebody to communicate well with me. Tell me if I'm going to be waiting for a long period of time. I don't mind a wait. Somebody just needs to tell me that it's going to be a wait today. Having only worked in government jobs as a, as a teacher, I knew what it was like to work with people that were getting paid more than I was, that were doing less work just because they had been there longer. They were getting paid more. I wanted to do the opposite of that with our business. And so it's taking the non-vet experiences that I had and merging them with what my wife was wanting as a, in a veterinary work environment and putting those together. That's what's made us really successful. Yeah, you guys are like a power couple. Yeah. You've got two huge strengths on either running a business together. Like, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and many people are scared to work for a husband and wife team. And I understand. But my wife and I are so opposite that our premarital counselor said it was either going to be like opposites attract and a great success or a complete disaster. So <laughs> that's always nice before you get married to hear <laughs> so that. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, um, thanks. So, but it has worked out really well where, where I'm all over the place with ideas. My wife is my anchor to bring me back to say, Hey, let's talk through some of those things. So I might come up with 12 new ideas a week and only one of them is any good. But she doesn't beat me down for that. She encourages me to keep thinking. And I can help her not to stress so much. Like owning a business, super stressful, super stressful. 100% of your income is coming from that business that is your responsibility, not someone else's. Yeah. And not only for my family, but there are 15 other people that are looking to me 
to make good decisions so that they have a job. Now, there's a shortage of veterinary professionals in our country right now. Demand is high and capacity is lower. So they can all go find a job wherever they want. Like if they get mad at me, they could quit. They could be totally gainfully employed tomorrow. But they look at me to make good decisions. They look at us, my my wife and me together, to make good decisions so that they have a place to come to work every day. That's also very stressful. And worrying about, is everybody getting along? Or are we going to get sued today? You know, who are we going to make mad? So all of those things are a challenge where that can really stress my wife out. But having managed a classroom with you know, 150 kids coming through my classroom every day and all of their parents emailing me with their demands and all of that and management and the state dictating and the federal government dictating all these things. I'm like, this is nothing. You came in with body armor on. You were ready to go when you hit the ground. (laughs) I'm like, you can't mess with me. I'm a teacher. (laughs) Talk to me about your strategy of being fear free. You mentioned that a lot on your website. So talk a little bit about that. So th- that was one of the things that I had never heard of until Dr. Shirley came home and told me that she wanted to, part of what she wanted was to run a fear-free hospital. And I'm like, what does that mean? And fear-free is a, is a way to practice veterinary medicine that is focused on decreasing the fear, anxiety, and stress that is experienced by our patients, as well as our clients, as well as our team members. The veterinary hospital is an extremely stressful place for people to work, for people to come in. Our mission statement says, at Family Pet Health, we understand that the veterinary hospital is stressful for everyone who walks through the door. And to combat that, our mission is to respond to the needs of family pets in a positive environment. And that positive environment is not just for the pets, but it's also for our team and it's for the clients. So do you have pets at home? Oh, yeah. We're big dog people here. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever been to the vet and gone into the exam room and they're like, all right, well, we're going to take your dog back to the back. Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. Well, we don't do that because the back, it's already stressful to come in because you're worried about how much is this going to cost? What's going on with my pet? The dog is like, what's all these smells? What are these noises? And now we're going to take them away from their one thing that gives them comfort, which is their owner. Well, we try to do everything in the room. We try to keep our facility super clean so that when you walk in, you don't smell anything. We do a lot of treats and positive reinforcements when dogs are cooperating or cats or or even hamsters and gerbils and guinea pigs are doing what they're supposed to be doing or giving us good behavior. We reward that uh, positively throughout the appointment. So everything that we do is designed to decrease the fear, anxiety, and stress that pets and pet parents are experiencing when they come to the vet hospital. That's great. So it's for both. It's not necessarily fear-free for just the animal. It's just as much for the owner when they come in. Absolutely. Because owners transfer stress to their Mm -hmm. pet. They can tell. right? When you're nervous, your dog gets nervous because they're like, why are you? What's the matter with you? They can smell it. They can feel it. They can sense it. They don't understand it necessarily like why, oh, mom's worried that this is going to cost a lot and she's going to have to decide between taking care of me and putting fuel in the car. They don't understand that, but they can understand that you're stressed. So we try to help the pet by making a calm environment. We try to help you by good communication. We put together care plans for everything before we get started so that we can work on that care plan together so that we're going to assume that everyone wants to do everything. We're not going to judge you when you say, I can't afford that. We're going to work with you to decide what can we afford what is going to provide the most care for your pet for what your financial constraints are. That's our approach to help decrease your stress. I would imagine that your approach and how you operate by 
doing everything in the exam room instead of taking your dog to the back by providing treats, by making things possible so that, okay, I have to do this big surgery, but I can't afford it. All right, we're going to work with you. All those piece parts. I would imagine that the loyalty that you have from your clients is huge because of all those things combined that has to work for you. We hope so. Our area is a it's kind of it's growing a lot. We've added a doctor this past year, which is great. And so we've been able to to take care of the clients that we do have. We do have churn, which is, you know, people that move on to other vets or they just move, but we are seeing that we are growing consistently year over year. And again, we've grown from one doctor the first year to two doctors. Now we have three doctors but we're averaging over 30% growth each year. That's not sustainable if we don't get more more team members <laughs> and a bigger building. That's what we're about to start doing. We are actually um, hopefully going to be breaking ground on a new hospital this summer, which will increase our capacity and allow us to do that. But yeah, we, we do have repeat customers every year and, and that's a lot of fun. We have a lot. I mean, the main way that we advertise and market is through client referrals and there's no better confirmation that we're on the right track than when people refer other their friends and family to come to us as well. Isn't that the biggest compliment? Absolutely. That means more to me than somebody going, oh, you had a really great ad on Facebook that made me come. I would much rather hear, well, George told me that there was no other place in the world that he would bring his pets than here. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. Biggest compliment of all, for sure. And speaking of Facebook... And social media, you guys do an exceptional job on social media. Who is handling social? Is that part of your responsibility? <laughs> because if it is, you're really good at it. Yeah. At the beginning, it was all me. And so if, if people go to our Facebook page, which is just Facebook Family Pet Health. So we're at Family Pet Health on Facebook and, and Instagram. It's Family Pet Health TN for Tennessee. We're on TikTok at Family Pet Health as well. And people can follow us on our podcast, which is thefamilypetpodcast.com. And they can listen to our podcast. All of those things are ideas that I've had. But now that our team has grown, I've been able to delegate and elevate some other of our team members. We just hired a, a new customer service representative. And part of that interview process, I said, how do you feel about Instagram? We're kind of slack on Instagram, but I'd like to turn that over to you. And she is doing fantastic with upping our presence and post content and things like that. Now, we're not just posting on all of those social media or making podcast episodes just for ourselves. The purpose of all of those things, and it all works together, is that it is educational. On the podcast, it says, the Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents because we believe that the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. That's it. So it's just any business owner, just educate your, your target market, educate them on why your service is really important, and they'll book it themselves. And it just makes the more education you can do on social media, I think the better your business will do because your clients are already going to know what you know. Your social media is so well-rounded too, though. You have such a good variety of posts in engagement with people. You're asking questions. Tell us this, tell us that. And then you've got information as well about taking care of your pets. So I, I just really like the design and the layout and the way that you approach social media. And as everybody knows, social media is huge. You know, I understand the, the bulk of your business comes from referrals and that is awesome. But social media does play a role. Those shares 
they get to people that you didn't even you never would have gotten to other ways or, you know, so it all it all kind of comes together very nicely for you. Again, it goes back to me being a consumer more than a veterinary professional, right? How do I use social media? I don't want somebody to educate me with a big book about parasites, right? I want it to be fun and conversational. That's the approach that we've taken with our social media. If you want to find the big details, that's when you go to the blog and read the articles and things that we've written. So I think that social media is really important for businesses that you make yourself easily found. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because it's going to help our search engine optimization. And it's just one more way that people can, if they're doing research, it's just one more way that they can learn about the Shirley family and family pet health. So it makes them feel better about their decision to bring their business to us. How did you figure all that out? that it would improve your search engine optimization. Like that's not something that just the everyday person knows that that would help. Did How did that podcast and blog come to be? The podcast came to be because I needed somebody to teach. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you had to get the educator in you out somehow. <laughs> I love to talk and I love to educate. I love to help people be smarter because I like to be smarter. And there wasn't actually, there's not really a good podcast out there to help general pet owners know about the things that they're going to hear when they go to the vet office. So for me, I was diagnosed at 26 years old, right after a year after we got married, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. I didn't know anything about it. And going to the doctor was super stressful. I was really scared. I, I was being told that I had a disease that I was going to have for the rest of my life. And my experience in finding a doctor and learning. And when I found a doctor, I wasn't happy. I wanted to move, but nobody would talk to me. Like I just use those types of experiences to decide what can we do for our pet owners that are experiencing that same thing. And so it's just education is just really important to me. Like I just want people to know what we know. I want them to know the value of my team that we have. Our veterinary professionals are so skilled and they're so smart. And the only way that pet parents can know about those things is if somebody tells them. And that podcast didn't exist. So I said, well, we're going to do it. And it helps us in the office. Our team can can just say, oh, the Mr. Shirley made a, a podcast about that. We'll send you the link. And it's evergreen content. It's there forever. So that's that's how that came to be. The blog and stuff is, again, just educational. The more that our owners can know before they come into the office, the better. Have you looked at the hits for the podcast, for the blog? Have you seen the numbers? Because the fact that that is evergreen material, I mean, anybody could read it, utilize it, take it in. I mean, I'm asking because as a fan, I want you to get this podcast out, this blog out, because any pet owner would benefit from this. Yeah, that's actually been a challenge because we that's our goal is that we don't make it so specific to Murfreesboro that no one else would want to listen to it. But we we really actually have viewers or listeners on the podcast from around the world. It's always the content. I have found this in, in my work as well. It's always the content that you don't really think twice about. You just think, well, I'll put this out there. It's it's good, you know, Yep. but I'm not expecting anything. And that's the stuff that takes off. Whether you're, it's a podcast host like yourself or a veterinary professional like us, people just are intrigued by that because it's different. Because the back, no one was allowed access to the back of the vet office. And they're like, what's back there? And then all of a sudden we're like, boom, throwing the doors back and taking down the veil. People like to see what we're doing. It's pretty cool. Like our number one TikTok video 
is a guinea pig abscess lancing. So it's like, you know, Dr. Pimple Popper, Dr. Pimple Popper ain't got nothing on us. Like I can't imagine is the abscess like as big as the guinea pig? It's as big as the guinea pig. <laughs> and it lasted for like at least 20 seconds of just squeezing in a constant tube. It looked like toothpaste. I have a toothbrush. Uh, you know, a, a, I mean, I don't want to see that, but I do want to see that. Yeah, so now right. I'm going to go watch it. Of course. Of course. So I tell my team, I'm like, people... Because I walk through with the do a Facebook live or something like that. You talk about being well-rounded and some we just want to have fun and our team has fun. And I want to show our clients that we have fun. And if we do have to take your pet to the back, we actually let people come with their pet to the back as long as their presence isn't making the fear, anxiety and stress of the pet worse. But we take the camera. I don't have anything to hide back there. And so people like watching those videos. It's random. If you go back to the very beginning of 2018, when we bought our hospital, we did a remodel while we were open. So we would close the office at six. And then that's when I would show up to start doing construction work. So from 6 p.m. until two or three o'clock in the morning, a lot of times we're doing construction. I would just set the camera up and talk to people because I needed somebody to talk to so I could stay awake, <laughs> you know? And that's so brilliant yeah. though. It's so smart. And it brings people into the story, right? They felt like they got to watch the transformation. Like they were a part of that transformation. Mm -hmm. It's so real though. That's what I love. It's, it's, it's not forced or fake or filtered. It's just you saying, I'm building this. If you want to watch, cool. If you don't, I understand. And if not, that's cool too. Uh, part of the reason I recorded all that was for my own posterity sake. Like I wanted to be able to go back and remember what it was like to be there at two o'clock in the morning, knowing I had to be at school at eight o'clock in the morning to teach. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that remember that was terrible. That was so, but wow, it was so much fun too. And and just being able to remember that, it's it's been fun to be able to go back and, and watch and listen to those things. You're also proof, though, that the hustle works. That, you know, for you to be working during the day, then going at night and working overnight and helping build and doing construction, like the hustle pays off. And that's a whole separate lesson in this, I think, too. You know, for our team's sake, they believe and see that Dr. Shirley and I care about them. And we get in there and do the work, too. We're working just as hard as they are. You know, they allow me to take breaks to do podcasts and things during the day. Because <laughs> <So. laughs> in the end, it benefits them, right? <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. So what's next for you guys? Family Pet Health. What I know you're you're working on a new building, obviously. So you're getting a bigger building. But what else? What do you have on the horizon? We have a desire to change the veterinary industry starting right here in Murfreesboro. What we're in the process of right now is proving that the concept of client experience taking care of your team, number one, that that works. That's a good business model that will prove itself valuable. Once we prove that concept, once I build that facility that matches the quality of care that my team provides our community, then I would like to go on the road and share that. How does it work with other people that are, are interested in doing the same thing? So my ultimate long-term dream would be that one day Dr. Shirley and I will sell this business that we've created and we'll start like a, a mini retreat center where I can work with high school FFA and 4-H groups and fraternities and sororities and the college universities, as well as small business veterinary teams where they can come and learn how to create a strong team that makes the, their work environment a place that they look forward to going to every day. That's my long-term dream. I think any college, any university, any sort of educational form would welcome that. I mean, I 
100% see that being an option for you someday. Yeah. I love it. I love working with people. I miss being in the classroom. I I was a good teacher. I enjoyed it. But the best part of teaching was to see my students succeed. And I'm just now starting to see my former students have their own children. And I'm starting to see my former students be successful in their career paths. And that's really exciting for them to come back and say, Miss Shirley, thank you. Like I've got one student that called me. She's like, I'm going to be a teacher because I want to be like you. I'm like, you know, (laughs) waterworks. I just want to, to help other people realize that themselves in, in the veterinary profession, because unfortunately it's not common and it's a super stressful industry to work in. We deal with life and death every day and we deal with customers that are mad every day and, and demand is high and it's stressful and you, you need it to be surrounded by a team of people that support you and you need to be in an environment that's supportive. I would like for us to be able to change the veterinary industry to make that more common. Yeah. Wouldn't that be full circle for you too, to wind up back as an educator with this whole new wealth of knowledge? Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. Well, congratulations on all your success. I I see great things for both of you ahead. I really look forward to seeing where you, you know, where you end up, where you go with this. It's a, oddly to say, a blank canvas for you, even though you've done so much, you still have such a bright future ahead. So congrats on everything. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to join you and, and share our message. And if anybody wants to learn more or, or talk to us about what what we've done and how we've done it, we're happy to do that. And they can reach out to me. At, they can just go to familypethealth.com and they can find all the things that we've talked about are on our website. So familypethealth.com and, and my name's Michael. Give me a shout. And also a plug again for your TikTok. What is your TikTok handle? It's at Family Pet Health. Okay, that's easy enough. Yeah, I'm I'm totally going to watch that <laughs> guinea. You, you can watch <laughs> guinea pig my video. poor wife. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> we just I torment her with so, <laughs> so many things. So send me ideas on how I can prank my wife throughout the day. Let me know. There we go. It's Michael Shirley, owner and chief empowerment officer at Family Pet Health. Thank you so much for being on with us today. Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Joining us now to chat about some of the considerations for building a small business in the veterinary space from an insurance perspective is the Vice President of Customer Experience and Mobility at Selective Insurance, Jim McEwen. You know, Jim, Michael shares that Family Pet Health is a customer experience business that happens to treat pets. So this must be music to your ears as a customer experience professional. So talk to us about how small businesses can learn to sort of adopt this mindset. Yeah, it was. You know, listening to Michael talk about his passion for his business and, and how his family's involved. I got to be honest with you, that's half the battle. When you show that sort of passion and the thrill of doing business and working with your family like that, to provide such a great experience to the customer and I guess ultimately the patient in this case um, it is phenomenal. You know, we often discuss how and why they started their businesses. And, you know, the answer lies in that secret sauce. And it's that that passion that you heard Michael talk about. So, you know, when you think about other small businesses, not everybody's in, in the family pet business, but many small businesses start out with a specific passion. Whatever that passion is, I think that they need to find focus in how they are helping someone. Whether you are, you know, a roofer or a florist, there, there is something that you're bringing to the table that's going to 
delight that customer or make them get through a difficult time. And I think that's what you heard from Michael, really, you know, the, the no fear situation and removing that makes the, the customers weary about doing business, no matter what your business is, I think is really the most important part. You know, helping someone with their pet in this case is, is phenomenal. You know, a lot of us have pets and you know, for me, I have two dogs and, you know, think, but thinking about bringing them to the vet is always, uh, I don't know who's more stressed, me or them, but uh, <laughs> at, the, at the end of That's the day. That's a fair it, statement. That's a fair is, statement. Right? <laughs> and I think what their approach to it is simply around somebody's going through a pain point and they're taking the time to remove it from that interaction, that journey for them. And I think that's, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. And I think as consumers ourselves, we can agree that an elevated customer experience, which Michael and his team at Family Pet Health are so all about, that drives brand loyalty. Don't you think when you are so about your customer's experience, and in this case, their pet as well, you want everyone to be happy. And if I walk away from his practice happy and my dog is happy or whatever, I am way more likely to return and bring him repeat business and make res- recommendations to other people. No, I, absolutely. I think, you know, by delighting our customers, we're more likely to see repeat business. It's funny you bring that up. I'm, I'm working on a blog today and I'm, I don't know, it's a little off uh, mm-hmm. topic, but I'm going to, it's on topic, but I want to share with you some statistics that I've been looking at today. Okay. 89% of companies that lead with customer experience perform financially better than their competitors. 63 of customers will pay more for a great experience. And 52% of customers will be willing to pay more to receive a great customer experience. Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. I think that, you know, Michael and his team at FHM are doing a, a great job. And, you know, there's a lot to be learned by what they're doing. It hits home with me for sure. But you know, like we talked about a little earlier, depending on what you do and what your small business is, there is something in there. I think the challenge is, is you know, digging a little deep and finding out what your purpose is. Mm-hmm. And then being transparent with your customers and making sure that they understand, you know, why you're doing it. What do you think they should be thinking about? Things like technology or payment options or physical spaces. Like, what should they be focused on at this point? Uh, I mean, I give you the stock answer a little bit, but all of the above. You can't do any one of those without the other. You know, they all play a large role. You know. You have the choice when it comes to all three of these examples. Technology, for example, enables speed of transactions, mm-hmm. ease of use. It speaks to young, younger generations. You know, I, I talk about this in my blog recently. And when you talk about payment options, and I know people now that will only transact through Apple Pay or Android Pay or Venmo for that matter. So true. Right? And, mm-hmm. and I think you have, to, you have to embrace that. Again, you know, I used other examples before, like, you know, whether you're a roofer or a florist, I, I think times are changing where you can no longer sit still and say, you know, I'm only going to be a cash business or check or even credit card. I mean, at what point did we go from credit card was advanced customer experience to is really just a table stake form of payment these days. It's scary um, to think that credit cards might soon be antiquated, but it does seem that that's how it's going. I mean, coins are going away slowly but surely and paper paper bills will probably go away. So it is kind of weird to think about that. It's true though. I had somebody say to me the other day, if I have to pull out my credit card and read the number, mm-hmm. and especially the security code on the back. So the effort of flipping that card over has become <laughs> too much effort for some, for some. And look, you can look at it one of two ways. You can either embrace it and give more more choices for you know consumers to interact with you, or you can you can, you know, stay where you are and hope that it doesn't change. Well as we all know it will. 
it will definitely change. You know, going back to the sort of, for lack of a better term, emotional part of Michael's business that we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, you know, they are really big on a positive environment. They call it fear-free veterinary medicine, focused on decreasing anxiety and fear in animals and stress for pets, his team and the clients. Are there ways in your world that other non-veterinary small businesses can sort of apply this approach to what they do? Yeah, I think that I think that approach is portable. Again, we talked about, you know, what is in it? What is the purpose of the small business that you may be in? And look at what that removes for your customer. Whatever your business is, I think that that strategy that Michael is employing is is very portable. I think that you just need to, you know, focus on, you know, think about this. I I know a dentist that advertised locally about no pain, very much like the no fear that Michael's using. Mm -hmm. That's a big fear for a lot of people going to the dentist, right, Is, is the pain of doing so. And I think there's a couple of things that you have to think about when you do a, a strategy like that. So, you know, remove what they're most concerned about. And then if that's what you're using to build your brand, it will reap benefits. It will, it will reap rewards in, in actually doing so. And, and my point is, if you're going to say there's a, there's a no fear clinic or a no pain dentist, you have to live that brand promise. Yeah, so because true. The, Stand behind it. Right. Because the minute you don't, you're presenting another customer experience issue where you do not want, in the world of reviews, you do not want somebody saying it was very painful or we were very fearful throughout that experience. So if you're going to go with something in that area, that vein, you need to make sure you succeed. And social media, speaking of of brand loyalty and, and just getting the word out is so important, obviously, for so many businesses. Michael uses social media for family pet health and his business. But for businesses that aren't really skilled when it comes to social media, what advice do you have for them? Well, first, let me say, Michael is was extremely advanced. Uh, you know, everything that he talked about, I was very impressed to see the small business doing everything they're doing from social media to search engine optimization. But for somebody that isn't so skilled, you know, I think there's so many ways to be self-educated now. I know that, again, locally, I've seen and talking to people in, in our business, there is, you know, local municipalities and educational systems that provide education on anything from how to set up a Facebook page to drive a, a business profile on LinkedIn or Instagram. But quite frankly, I mean, not to be too rudimentary, but you can find a lot out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I've seen small businesses that we deal with. You know, when I talk to our, our agents and our uh, some of our customers, it's amazing that they, what they've educated me on, that they found ways to do simply through a Google search, YouTube. And uh, I've seen some small businesses do amazing things with, with the tools that they have at their hands. Yeah, YouTube is uh, underrated, I think. I learned how to fix a bike tire or replace a bike tire the other day with YouTube, put a bike light on. I mean, I go to YouTube all the time. I fixed a vacuum with it. It's crazy. I would agree. You can do anything. There's a little, an internet browser, you can change the world. <laughs> it can. Awesome, but scary at the same time. So let me ask you this. Do you think that a business having, or a small business specifically, having a mission statement, does that make or break them? Does a mission statement help you succeed? I'll take that in two parts. Make or break, I think it depends. Does it help? Absolutely. For me, a mission statement is a point in time. You know, it will change over time. But you know, taking Michael's case, when, when he started this business, he talked about how it started. What his mission was day one is probably different than it is today. I, w- I would guarantee it. And providing a mission statement to say, 
you know, we are going to do X, Y, and Z is really important because you have to try to stay true to that because creating a small business is not easy. It's difficult, many challenges along the way, and being able to go back and use that as your North Star to say, you know, are we on mission? Are we going in the direction that we want to go? Is a, is a great question to ask yourselves quite honestly. And if the answer is no, that's that's okay too. Mm-hmm. I think it's just as important to have a mission as it is to revisit your mission. And yeah. it's like a book. There's many chapters and being able to look at it and pivot and understand what you did right, what you did wrong and, and changing that. I know even many large businesses that change their mission every every five or 10 years because direction changes. Yeah. Life changes, technology changes, business changes. Right. And I like your your point of sort of checking in with yourself on your mission statement. Am I still on point? Am I still who I set out to be, who I wanted to be as a business owner? I think that's very smart to do, to check back in with yourself. Keep yourself accountable, really. Right. Yeah. Uh, Final question for you before we let you go. You know, Michael uses a podcast to educate his customers on pet care issues, which I loved. I think that's such a great idea. But do you have any ideas of other ways that small business could educate their customers as a way to drive sales and loyalty as well? I think the podcast is a, is a great example of, of how to do education, especially currently in these times. But I will tell you, I don't want to lose focus on what I like to call the human factor or the human element. There's still an opportunity to meet with people in the ways that they want to be met. So if that is a tutorial, again, we can use his business as an example. If you want to have a tutorial on how to give dogs or cats medicine. That is a challenge for some. Again, I think there's ways to do more of that human interaction the way that the customers might want to. If they want to engage through a podcast, that's great. I think optionality is is really the the way to approach this. But I would say continue to offer human interaction. The world's going really fast towards an all digital engagement model. And while I fully support it because I think it's important, I'm not losing sight of the fact that human interaction is equally important. And while not always popular with my peers, um, I think human interaction is something we have to get focused to and make sure that those interactions are valuable. Mm -hmm. So where a small business can still meet with people and discuss and have seminars and tutorials and focus groups on things that they want to educate on, I think it's a, there's definitely an opportunity there. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I like the idea of, you know, technology is important and being efficient is important, but don't lose sight of that human interaction because that matters a lot. It does. It does. Yeah. And as long as people can choose, allow them to choose which which channel they want to interact with, you'll, you'll be successful. Yeah. Vice President of Customer Experience and Mobility at Selective Insurance, Jim McEwen, thank you for being on with us today. Really thank appreciate you. it. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much to Michael Shirley of Family Pet Health and Selective's Jim McEwen for joining us today. And thank you, the listener, for pressing play on this episode of Uniquely Small Biz. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review in the podcast store and tune in next month for more inspiring stories from real small business owners. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and this has been Uniquely Small Biz from Selective Insurance.